Tony Barnhart is Mystery College Football at Mr. MRCFB on Twitter. You can also read his content on TMG College Sports. And he also has a book out that we will talk to him about, The Nighting of Green. And he's also a member of the Georgia Sports Hall of Fame. We'll talk with him about that. How are you, sir? I am well, Mr. Shanks. How about you? I'm great. Am I going to see you this weekend? Oh, absolutely. Great. I, I love to come back every year we can. So, yes, Miss, Miss Maria and I will be there uh, on, on Friday night for the uh, the jacket presentation. Well, good. I always love seeing you and your, your wife and, uh, and knew you probably would. And, and b- before we get going on some college football things, and we are going to talk about your book as well, but I, one of the reasons why I wanted you on is to, to get your thoughts and feedback on someone who's going in that I know means a lot to me. And I, I, I know, I don't even have to assume that he means a lot to you because if you've gone through the doors of the University of Georgia as a student and then even as a, a journalist, you have had connection with Claude Felton, who is going in as a contributor. And, you know, I, I was telling uh, Chip Towers and I were talking about this yesterday. I mean, I've been in this business for a long time, um, and I've dealt with several different sports. It's unusual because, for example, the, the pro sports information directors or communications directors or media relations directors, whatever they're called, they don't last long. They bounce around a lot. They get fired. They leave for a different job. They leave to go back home. But here's someone who did this until January 31st for 44 years and even a couple years in Statesboro, Georgia Southern before that. So that's unusual, but it's, it's beyond that, isn't it, with Claude Felton, Tony? Well, you know, not too many times in life do you get a chance to meet someone who is not only just a wonderful human being, but they are the very best at what they do. And there's really, there's really no debate about Claude Felton being the the best sports information director ever. Uh-huh. All you got to do, all you got to do, is talk to his uh, his peers and talk to them. And, and if you go to them, I did this in a column. If you went to them and said, "Who's the best sports information director ever?" and every one of them would say, they wouldn't say Claude Felton. They'd say Claude because they knew <laughs> you knew what you was what you was saying. So uh-huh. I am I am so thrilled that he is going into the Hall of Fame. Uh, he and, uh, you know, I t- told his wife, Kathy, I said, well, you know, this has got to happen. Uh, I'm, I'm so pleased it finally has happened. Many people may think, you know, all right, why a sports information director? But I think while that's a, a valid question to a certain extent compared to athletes and coaches and so forth, we're talking about the very best. We're talking about the, the, the I mean, there's nobody even comparing to, mm-hmm. with all due respect, with people in the state in that type of position with any of the teams. And that in itself makes him a Hall of Famer, doesn't it? It makes him a Hall of Famer. And, and if you talk to sports writers, I mean, they, they would be unanimous in their, yep. in their praise. You know, you can't measure what Claude Felton has meant to the University of Georgia uh, athletic program, or to the University of Georgia for that matter, because you can't measure all of the, you know, how many people did he help? You know, writers would come in from out of town, and they know if they were coming in from out of town and they were coming to Georgia, they didn't worry about anything because they knew it was going to be taken care of. I know Claude's gotten phone calls from 
national media who at the last minute decide that uh, that they and they they're coming because of this big game in Athens and Claude he he would not put them in some raft or someplace he had a, he had a, he had good seats set up and what he would do then he would assign one of his staffers and he had a lot of them he said you take care of these four guys because they're from L.A. Chicago and New York and Washington you take care of them and and Claude, that was Claude he. He understood the the media. He understood the role of the media and was there to be a sports information director. Yep, absolutely. No question. I can't wait to honor him on Friday night. I think you're right. Every media member in this state would say say the same thing. All right, um, you do have a new book, and I want to talk about that uh, for, for a minute, too, because it's such an interesting topic uh, Tony, because of the background, it's called the Nineteen of Green, and people may think, "Well, is this a book about golf? Is this a book about football?" No. Tell us about what it's about. Well, most of it, I tell people it's not a book about football. It's a book about relationships and making relationships. And but the the, the short version of the story is that in the fall of 1970, uh, the state finally ruled that. Uh, my home county, Greene County, is halfway between Atlanta and Augusta, off of I-20. And we had an all-black school and an all-white school. And the fall of 70, uh, after dragging their feet, they finally said, okay, these schools are going to merge. Uh, so it was all-white Greene County High School and all-black Floyd T. Carey High School. And the, the, all of us who played football from both schools we were excited. We thought, man, you're going to merge two schools. We're going to have 50 or 60 guys on our team. We're going to want a bunch of games. When spring practice was over for the fall of 1970, we had 19 guys. <laughs> and, and that's all we and we and, and when we played, we probably played about 16 of them. Uh-huh. But we, we ended up having just a, a wonderful season. Uh, we, we won seven out of our last eight, got made the playoffs and uh, lost that game. But uh, the book is about the fact that 53 years after we all played our last game together, we had a reunion on December 7th, December 9th, actually, at Greene County High School where it all began. The, the place was full. We, we did a book signing with all the players, and all the players got to sell books, uh, to autograph books, and it was a special, special day. And it's about relationships and the relationships. And Charles Turner, who was our quarterback, who came over from the black school, he was my first African-American friend. And 53 years later, he remains one of my very best friends. That's what the book's about. You know, those relationships you make early on in life, I actually, this is a funny, ironic story here. But this morning I was talking with someone who lives in Augusta. And I, I, I told him I was from Waycross, and then he mentioned that his neighbor was from Waycross. He said, do you know so-and-so? And I said, I grew up with him from first grade through seventh grade. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and I said, I haven't seen him probably in 30 years. Last time I saw him, I think, was at a classmate's wedding that we both attended probably when we were in our mid to upper 20s. But I still love the guy. Because I grew up with him. I mean, those relationships that you make, whether it's like mine with a, a, a child from, you know, first through seventh grade or in high school, they, they, they always seem to mean so much to you for the rest of your life, don't they? They do. And uh, the, the, great pro- the great part of the book was the, was the process of tracking down all these guys. Uh, there, 
19 original players, 15 of us are, are still alive, but I, I interviewed every player who is still living. And uh, most of them, I think 12 of them were in person. And But just tracking those guys down and speaking to the ones, there were guys I had not spoken to in 50 years. Wow. And, and to go, I mean, how, how many of us get a chance to relive <laughs> that part of your life? And it was it was just a, a literally it was a labor of love. It really was. That's awesome. That's awesome. Well, we encourage people to get that book. I think uh, they'll relate to a lot of that, and uh, just a great book. I'm sure you had a, a a great time writing that book. All right, Tony Barnhart's our guest, uh, of course, Mr. College Football. Do you need to change your title? Are you embarrassed that title with what's going on in this sport? Because it's oh. it it's just. Um, uh, uh, it's 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 crazy. I mean, I guess it's good for somebody that does a three-hour sports talk show every day because there seems to be something that we can talk about almost every day, Tony. I said yesterday, after what Annie Staples reported that was in the ACC's answer on Friday, that that next domino we're all waiting for could be soon if the ACC is willing to negotiate with FSU. Is that the next thing you're watching for right now? Yeah, yeah, that is the next thing you're watching for. Obviously, you're you're watching the uh, CFP negotiations and what happens with the alliance between the Big Ten and the SEC. And right? Does it? But I don't think I don't think anything significant is going to change right now. It's too long a process, but it it is clear that Florida State is not happy. All right, and so it, it, you know what? Let them go, and we'll see where they. It'll be interesting to see where they line up. But yeah, Andy's right. I think that is the next. That is the next shoe to drop is some resolution of the ACC. Are you surprised that it sounds like the Big Ten is their destination compared to the SEC? And we actually had yesterday. I was sitting in for Jeff on his show when we were doing our program from a restaurant here in Macon uh, that's owned by a Florida State fan and he said yeah most fans seem to want Big Ten does that surprise you well it surprised me that they want the Big Ten but I here's the thing with Florida State people assume that Florida State will be going to the SEC but you got to look at it from the SEC's perspective what is Florida State bringing now they got a wonderful football program but this is not about the football program Bill this is about eyeballs to TV sets. Right. What is this is what it's all all about? Sure. But there there are two ways to look at this situation for Florida State. I think Florida State, when all is said and done, they want to be in the SEC. I, I don't. I don't exactly doubt about that. But the SEC may not want them and may not need them. Okay. And and the other, but the other point of view from the SEC is says, well, wait a minute. Let's don't be too hasty. Do we want Florida State? Do we want Florida State to go to the Big Ten? And now the Big Ten's got a toehold mm-hmm. in SEC country, all right? Mm-hmm. Big Ten representative there. And maybe you take Florida State because you don't want them to be uh, to be in to give the Big Ten a presence uh, in the South. Yeah, I think it's a good a good point. And the same could be said therefore for Clemson, right? I mean right. with with exactly. that I mean you may be able to get around taking all the Carolina schools, but with Clemson being the closest, it would almost seem that that would be silly, too, to allow Clemson to go to the Big Ten because we can just assume, Tony, that if FSU jumps, others are going to get on the ledge, too, aren't they? Right. That's, exact, that's exactly right. And it's, it's, going to be, it's going to be a fascinating thing to watch. We are going through – I've been doing this a long time, and between this 
stuff that we're talking about here and the transfer portal and NIL, it is crazy out there. One thing that I've been curious about is, all right, let's say that FSU, let's just take a number. Let's say they have to pay the ACC $100 million to get out of this. Then let's say that four other schools follow suit, and they also have to pay $100 million. What are the remaining schools going to do with that half billion dollars? And can that money turn around and attract enough play, uh, 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 schools to save the ACC? Or is it going to go down the same road as the Pac-12? I'm afraid it's going to go down the same road as the Pac-12. Because, look, look when, if, if the SEC and the Big Ten go off on their own and basically form their own organization, there's going to be another wave of, of conference realignment. There's going to be more teams that are going to join them. And so ultimately, you know, what happens there? And, you know, I, I, I think the Clemson and the North Carolinas are going to be okay. It's, it's the Wake Forest and the Vanderbilts. And those, right. those, those are the people that you worry about. Georgia mm. Tech. Somebody brought up Georgia Tech to me last night. I mean, Georgia Tech's got a wonderful tradition and all that. But, do, you know, what's going to happen to a school like that? No question. I think, I mean, there are people are going to be interested in Atlanta, but the SEC doesn't need Atlanta. They've already got it with Georgia, right? That's exactly right. Yeah. So where does the Big 12 fit in? Doesn't, shouldn't the Big 12 commissioner be knocking on the door of sanking the Big 10 commissioner right now? Or, or because if not, they're, I mean, they're kind of at a fork in the road, aren't they, the Big 12? They are, man. What, here's what, what's going to be interesting is we've got, we got two years on the current contract for the college football playoff. If things are going to play out, it, 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 we, we know now that obviously there's no Pac-12 Pac and all that business. But what's going to happen, you got 24 and 25. What's going to happen starting in 26? Because I'm telling you, uh, there's been a lot of good reporting on this. The 26 season, everything is going to be on the table because we'll have a brand new deal. We've got two years left on the current deal, and then there'll be a brand-new six-year deal. And what's the structure going to be? For example, do the, do the conferences, do the uh, bowls even come into play? Mm-hmm. you got, in the current format, you've got the top four teams get uh, buys in the first round. Well, and then the other, the other teams, five teams, four teams, eight teams, rather, get to play uh, on campus. What's going to happen there? Do we get to a situation where – uh, all all of the playoff games will be on campus, and the bowls are left to fend for themselves. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing to keep an eye on. Wow, absolutely, no question. So uh, Tony Barnhart's joining us, talking uh, college football, which of course everybody's kind of talking about right now. What what do you expect can come from this Big Ten SEC relationship? Oh, it, leverage, leverage mm-hmm. is is the magical word because what. The reason they, they did this is that, look, I, I, Greg Sankey does not want to blow everything up. He, he served on every committee you could possibly think of, and he's led most of them. He wants, he wants – but what he did say last week in an interview with Paul Feinbaum is, look, we do all these meetings. We meet in these big rooms, and we talk about these big ideas, and nothing ever gets done. Hmm. You're just kicking the can down the road. And what Sankey and Tony Petiti of the Big Ten are going to do is they look, Here's some. Here's a change we can make right now. Let's make that change. And if the, uh, the other two don't play ball, then that's when the SEC and the Big Ten go. Okay, guys, you don't you don't want to play ball. We're going to go off on our own. And and that that is the way. 
I don't think I think the Big Twelve and the ACC are going to understand that they're going to have to give, and they're going to have to maybe do some things they don't like to save the whole enterprise. In my mind, but but Tony, would would the remaining teams in the ACC? benefit more from being, lack of a better term, in the group of five to be more competitive in that level compared to being in the highest level possible. Yeah, and it just depends on how much money they're going to generate. You know, yeah. I, I've often wondered if if the Power Five teams shouldn't break off on their own and then everybody else form another division of the NCAA yeah. with, a, with, a, with an enforcement structure, with a championship, with all those things. And give them an op- give those schools the opportunity to go into the marketplace and see what they can generate. But I, what what I'm finding that fans don't understand is that college football, as we have known it for all of our lives, is over. It's yeah. over. Okay. Now you got to figure out what to do next, and you can't cling. It just like people said, you know, we're, we're going to just change the rules on NIL, where we're going to restrict how much guys make. It's called antitrust law. Yep. And if you spend any time doing this at all, you know anytime you restrict somebody's ability to make what they can make in the marketplace, that is a clear violation of antitrust law. And that, that's why ultimately the, the, uh, the Congress, Congress may have to get involved in this thing. Yep, absolutely. No question. I, I've got a listener to the show who's a big Georgia Southern fan, and he's told me, in the past that he hates that Georgia Southern went to division one. And the reason was because I used to win championships in division two. And he knows mm-hmm. that there's no way they'll ever win a championship again. And along your lines, what you were saying, I, I said kind of the same thing, Tony, all right, let the power five or whatever power is left be in their own division, so to speak, and ballot out for the championship. And, and let those teams that have no chance in the world of having a championship settle, settle it on the field and have have a chance to be more competitive in that area. But but has the train left the station on something like that? Uh, no, I don't think it has left the station because money will often be the ultimate thing that determines right. all of this. As, as somebody I talked to says, look, as we move forward, and the money becomes even bigger and bigger and bigger, but the big boys are taking the most most of it, a lot of these schools are going to have to make up their mind whether or not they want to be in the football business. Mm. Because being in, play, playing college football is a lot different than being in the football business. If mm. you're in the football business, you're, you're, if you're Georgia and you're Alabama uh, and you're, you're Tennessee and you're Ohio State and you're Penn State, you know, you're, you're operating financially at a completely different level, right? Than the than the schools that, that are just below you, and you just it's not for those schools. I don't think it's sustainable. So I think I think the sheer force of the dollars is going to force them to accept something like this other league that we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. You you wonder before we let you go, uh, your, your thoughts on the transition at Alabama, but from Nick Saban to Kalen DeBoer, how do you think it's gone? Oh, I think it's gone well. I mean, I think, uh, I've been very impressed by Kellen DeBoer. He's won every place he's ever been, and yes, he's he's got two only two years at a, at a Power Five school as a head coach. I understand that, but I think and I, but it's Alabama. They got players. They got a lot of players. But now, if this if the bar is Nick Saban, then forget about it. Forget about it. I mean, yeah. that, you're not you're not living in the real world. 
but they are they will be good enough if, if uh, you know Jalen Milrow if that offense translates what, what DeBoer likes to do I think they'll be good and it's going to be interesting when Georgia goes to Alabama on September 28th that's going to be really interesting oh yeah no question is the infrastructure that Nick built there long and or or good enough to sustain the program until DeBoer gets it to where he wants to be because there's going to be a little bit of a dip you can't expect it to be the same but can this what they built including the NIL be enough to kind of hold it until he gets to where he wants to be no I think absolutely absolutely because you they 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 have a great NIL situation they've got the facilities they need and so yeah Kalen DeBoer is walking into a very very good situation and now does that mean they're going to win a championship I don't I don't know uh, they're gonna they're gonna be extremely competitive. Well, it's gonna be fun to see, and especially not having divisions uh, with Texas, of course, coming in. They're gonna be good, and Ole Miss is gonna be good. They've had a great off season with their coaching additions, and their of course a plethora of additions from the transfer portal as well. So it's gonna be uh, maybe a little bit more even than it has been in the past, and the the teams that have been in the West uh, in the last couple of years. Tony, thank you. It's always great to have you on the show, and we, we can't wait to see you coming up on Friday and Saturday, and you'll be at the Fan Fest, I know, on Saturday for folks to uh, – you're going to have your book there available as well? Yeah, I think I'll bring a few with me in case anybody wants one. So, awesome. Yeah. Well, good. Yep, good idea. So, again, you can uh, get a copy of that book and uh, go online. If if not, The 19 of Green, another great book from Tony Barnhart. Tony, thank you. Okay, see you soon, Bill.